Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective podcast. I'm excited. Week eight, college football rambling. Look at kind of what's going on week seven. I guess actually we're eight weeks in. Some teams have played eight full games. On the flip side, though, I'll cover some of the fallout, eventual fallout, realignment, and the TV contract stuff. Talk a little bit about what teams are looking good, where they are in the rankings, and I'll cover my weekly kind of fantasy football targets, waiver wire targets, who are guys available in 75 plus percent of leagues, you might want to be targeting. So we'll get to that on the flip side. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. Okay, I'm back. It's exciting. What a great weekend. Before I wanted before I jumped into this, I wanted to highlight just this nagging thing in the back of my head about college realignment. And what a mistake this is long-term. And let's just start. It's tied ultimately to sports rights cost, which are a proxy for cable carriage fees. So if you're not following this story, you probably shouldn't be listening to this pod. But the Pac-12 is essentially ceasing to exist. It imploded. Four of the teams are going to the big, I don't even know what it's called anymore, the big eight, big 12, whatever. So they're going to the Southwest Conference. And then you've got four teams going to the formerly called the Big Ten. I think they're now technically 18 teams. And then you have two teams going to the ACC. And you have two remaining teams from the original Pac-12. And it's all due to TV contracts. So the teams going to the Big Ten, we're going for a bigger payday and a promise of a bigger payday, which is assured over the next, let's call it six to eight years. Although some of the squads leaving the Pac-12 have agreed to lower rev shares, lower share of the revenue for the conference, as did the two teams going to the ACC. So what's all this driving this? I jumped into it. It all comes down to these sports rights, which cable regional sports networks and the large TV networks. So think ESPN, think CBS Sports, Fox Sports, and ultimately the Fox Network. They all recognize or they feel the need to have college football, right? They want to fill time on their channels on particularly on Saturdays and some odd other days, Thursdays, or sometimes there's games. And it's one of the few things that the assumption was people wouldn't cut the cord for. The cutting of the cord is only accelerated. And the reason why that matters is because these channels get paid for every subscriber that has access to them, particularly ESPN and the regional sports networks. Those carrot what they're called carriage fees. Those carriage fees are fixed monthly amounts that every cable or satellite customer is paying. And those fees were effectively paying for these sports rights. But with the world changing and customers consistently cutting the cord, the companies buying the rights are hurting. And in fact, you're seeing bankruptcies across the country for regional sports networks. And the granddaddy of them all, which is what I'm trying to get to, this is a core point here, had their earnings last week. And ESPN is starting to see the economic crash as well. So from this week's Disney's earnings report, here's what they said about the ESPN revenue. Profits from Disney's sports segment, which is ESPN, but also ABC Sports, all part of the same kind of section, declined 20% in the first nine months of the fiscal year. That was the filing from last Wednesday. They're they're taking a massive toll uh, on the cord cutting front, and the operating income from the sports segment fell to $1.5 billion. Still really good, but revenue declined 1.5%. And ultimately, profits from all the ESPN brand and TV networks, ESPN program and ABC network, ESPN Plus, fell 35% in the first nine months over the previous couple of years. 
What does that say? Number one, ESPN so profitable, which is good, right? You could say they're not profitable. The regional sports networks are going out of business. Diamond Sports, Valley, and a, and a, a litany of, of additional ones. They just don't have the girth and the size, but it's it's hurting them. So it's definitely it's a factor. And why does this matter? What well, matters because all these deals that were signed two, three, four, five years ago when the sports world thought carriage fees were never going away and revenue and opportunities were just going up and up to the right. Those contracts need to be renegotiated in the next two, four, six, eight years. In fact, actually, the ACC has the longest contract that's locked in through the early 2030s. That actually may end up being one of the best deals out there, ironically, even better than the SEC and Big Ten when these contracts start getting renegotiated. So what does that mean? It means that the team's share of that revenue is going to be much lower than they anticipate when they renegotiate or at best flat, and they're all predicting that's up into the right. And so all of these changes people have made, all these incremental costs they're going to incur to travel all their teams around the country, all the things they're putting into the NIL and all these other things are going to hurt them. Now, is football going to suffer? No. College football has continued to thrive, at least from what I can tell in terms of TV ratings and all this other stuff. But it won't generate as much revenue, so therefore they won't have as much extra profit, and they're just going to ultimately struggle. The net of it is, it's... My strong belief that there's going to be a reckoning coming in with these college athletic directors and all the colleges with all this crazy machinations, but they're working with and re, re, uh, realigned across the country, but it is what it is. And everyone's living for today, not tomorrow. So the college athletes be damned. Let's, keep, let's just keep moving forward. Okay. On to more fun near-term stuff. Um, what did we learn this week in college football? I don't know if we learned a lot. I'd say one thing, Michigan-Ohio State clash, which is about a month away, is going to be very exciting. I'm excited for that. Both teams remain unbeaten. Some of the luster of the game may dissipate if both are playoff bound, because both would be likely playoff bound. But bragging rights alone will be huge. Uh, Michigan looks like the more complete team. Ohio State is getting the second half boat racing thing, but they're they're constantly playing with fire in the first half, this week uh, being the exception. Michigan, though, just keeps taking care of business. So still a lot of good unbeatens. What else? Still Lamont, uh, Georgia is the title uh, favorite. I think the betting line has now moved to Michigan, surprisingly. There's still some really solid teams out there, though. You look across the board. Washington continues to look impressive. Florida State is impressive. Oklahoma's undefeated. Can't leave them out. You still have Alabama lurking. They're, they look weak, in my opinion, relative to the traditional Nick Saban team. But they're lingering around. They're 7-1. and one. They've got a couple of tough games that, that going ahead, but they're in, they're in striking distance. Texas is right there, 6-1, and one, although they lost their quarterback for at least a couple of weeks. Oregon State looks really strong. They've been playing well. They're number 10 overall, or 12, depending on the pools you're looking at. But I would say I really do think it's Georgia. They've got the momentum. The rest of their schedule is not that hard. Obviously, they'll have the SEC championship game. Even if they trip up in that game, though, they're likely in the playoff. And they just are battle-tested. So we'll see. Okay, next segment. It's going to be a short pod this week. I'm going to get into top college fantasy football free agent targets. Again, we're going into week eight. It is, it's pretty deep here. We've had a pretty long season. At this point, you're probably looking for guys that can fill gaps or guys are injured. One of these cool story, which I won't, I'll, I'll bring him up now, but in, in, he's now quite, I think he's not as available in as many teams, but if he is, you should pick him up as VO Baki or CO Baki. 
He's a really strong, literally and figuratively, safety for the Utah Utes. He filled in at running back two weeks ago and dropped the, they've got a bunch of injuries there. So he got moved up there. First time he played there in all of college, he rushed for 158 yards and a couple TDs and a win against Cal. Last week, he got, he got plenty of touches again. In the first quarter alone, he had three catches for 98 yards. He ended up having over 200 yards of total offense, a touchdown. It was super instrumental in beating the Trojans. So back-to-back, 150-plus yard outings, multiple touchdowns. He's had tackles in both games. He's playing both ways. Big shot at him. So I like him going forward, although he's going to be a, a rotation guy for the Utes. But let me get into the, the regular uh, rotation here. First, quarterback, I got Luke. At Meyer, Illinois. He's been on the list earlier this year. He's averaging over 20 points per game. Matt Meyer's dynamic. He just had a 100-yard game this past weekend. He's definitely worth starting during bye weeks. In the right matchup, he's putting up good numbers. Definitely recommend keeping an eye on him. Running back, I got two guys for you. Both have been on the list in previous weeks. Bayshol Tootin, Virginia Tech. He's 24% owned today. Not quite percent that 80% threshold, but still very much somebody to be looking at. He had another 15-point fantasy week. He's not lighting things on fire, but he's 19th overall right now, and I would recommend him. He's available in 76% of leagues. Next is Arizona Wildcat Jonah Coleman. Coleman's ownership more than doubled week over week. He was on the list last week, but he, he remains a top 20 back. He's a big part of their offense. I highly recommend going after him. At receiver, First one, wide receiver Nick Anderson. First time he's been on the list this year. Oklahoma, he's only about 15% ownership. He's been quiet since the first couple of games. He had a 100-yard game his first game out. Had a couple of touchdowns early on. Then was quiet. It looked like he was hurt for a few weeks. Finally came back with Gusto this past week with a five-catch, 105-yard, two-TD outing. He's in the top 30 for fantasy wide receiver scoring overall and then is putting up good numbers on a per-game basis in those games where he's playing quite a bit. So if you're in need of a wide receiver to flex starter, go get him now because he's healthy. Next is Alik Manor, Stanford wide receiver. Again, he got, look, his ownership went up significantly because he was 3%. Now he's 22% owned. So he's available in 78% of leagues. But he is getting funneled the ball. I was actually at this game at 13 targets, eight catches, 90 yards. UCLA was double, triple team, but he's a big guy. He can make hay regardless. I, I, is he a wide receiver one going forward? Obviously, the last two weeks he has been, but I think he's still worth owning, likely starting in pretty much all formats, at least until Stanford or so opponents completely take him out of the game, calling him out. And then tight end, Jack Velling. I'll stick with him. He's still only 31% owned. He had a soft week this past week, but remains a heavy red zone target, putting up good numbers. He's still got a big gap on ownership, so I'd go after go after him. Overall, got some great games this weekend. I'm excited to see some of the bigger ranked opponents. We're now deep into what I consider the, the part of the season where there's lots of rivalry games. So this weekend we've got not quite the same we had last weekend, but we got Oregon eight at Utah thirteen. Utah looked great. We've got Duke 20, so I know surprising, not always up there, versus Louisville number 18, and Louisville's undefeated, so that's going to be an interesting, fun matchup to watch. And then all the big guys, generally speaking, are playing games not against other ranked opponents, so I think it's going to be a relatively quiet weekend. Maybe we'll have an upset. Uh, Nonetheless, 
seasons getting away, getting to the kind of heart of the grind, if you will. Um, and you never know what can happen, right? You've got Georgia number one overall, but they're going into the swamp. That's never an easy, easy place to, to play. Maybe we'll see something out there in one of these teams. On that note, have an awesome rest of your week. Remember, this is 10, 23, 23. I love that symmetry. Let's have a great week. Enjoy week eight ahead. I guess technically week nine. Again, it's the eighth game for most teams. And take care of yourself. Take care. Bye-bye. Before we leave, let me tell y'all a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uh, I said uptown.